0: Listen, there's always a temptation when you see someone that young get baptized Is you're like, is that real faith? Is that real faith? Is this, is this how what it looks like to follow Jesus? I will just tell you this right now. Some of the purest forms of love come from children. And if we are supposed to fall in love with Jesus, man, they do it better than most adults, if I'm just truthful. They may not have the full definition yet. They may not understand the fullness of it, but they get it. They get it. That child was not put up here, just by memorizing a text. They were asked there is a family that is living out the love of Christ that they are following, and she is responding as a follower of Christ. You're going to learn this today, so you're getting a little cheat-cheat. As a follower of Christ, you have to do things. And some of you in here haven't done this yet, because you're more afraid than she was to get up here and do it. Just facts. All right? Proud of that girl, Proud of that family. I love celebrating it. God is good. One of y'all out here probably needs to be next, and you're not six, but you need to follow Jesus. That's worth celebrating if we do nothing else today, all right? Kingdom just got a little bigger. God's got a little smile on his face, and they are singing up in heaven. It's awesome. So, let's get it started, right? Oh, man, I'm pumped. Hey, we're in a series. Uh, this is actually the conclusion. So, if you've missed the other three weeks, uh, I am sorry, but you're, you're going to get the end. Um, sometimes that can be cool, you know, sometimes you come in and you're like, man, the ending's action-packed and it's going to be fun to watch, and sometimes you might get a little confused at how we got there uh, or what what happened before. Um, I'll I'll put you at ease and tell you that uh, today's going to be pretty simple, today's going to be something I think that you don't have to have been here the other three weeks to get it, but I think if you would, and if you missed any of the last three weeks, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them, because this is uh, our five-year plan as a church is to get healthy in these four areas. It's not everything that we're going to do, but this is something that we're aiming for as a church. And so we've kind of just talked through these. Now, discipleship, of course, incorporates, 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 I <laughs> can't even say that word. It, it, it has everything else in it. Right? <laughs> Let's just say that. And relationships uh, and, and parenting, we hit the last two weeks, and I've loved kind of just wading into those a little bit. I always feel like when I talk about parenting, I'm like right in the middle of the game, and I'm probably at the end of the game, and I'll recall some of the things that I wish I did. But I also know there's a lot of things that I got right, and I loved one of the people that came up afterwards last week, and I said, you know, you used to be a parent, and they're like, you never Never stop being a parent. I'm like, you're right. I'm sorry. I-, I said that. You're right. You never stop being a parent. Doesn't matter if your kid's 55 or 5, you're always going to be the parent. And I get that. We talked about how to do that well last week to lead away from a wayward child, which is the heart of God is what you want as a child that has the heart of God, not wayward in his heart. So today we get to talk about money and uh, the whole hush of the crowd, and half the people wants to leave, and half the people, that's why you never wanted to come to church. And I get it. I get it. I really do. Um, If I can be truthful, though, right off the get-go, and this is kind of, uh, it's always a difficult thing for me to say, not because I don't think you need to hear it, not because I don't think it's something that's worthy of talking about, but because I'm convicted in my own heart when I teach this stuff, too. Um, Money is the easiest way that you will not submit to Christ. In your lifetime, the resources you have, um, particularly, I don't say it's just this, but particularly men really struggle with letting go of money. And I don't just mean giving it to the church. I mean submitting the idea that your security, your value and your worth comes from something other than what you have. Or what you've earned. Or what someone says you're worth. So I know when I when I bring this topic up and we talk about getting healthy in it, I want you to know the heart of what I'm going to talk about today is that. And it's not just for men, it's for everybody. I want you to recognize that this is an area that will not be healthy until you have laid it at the feet of Jesus. Until you have laid it at the feet of Jesus. So today we're going to talk about giving. And we're going to talk about giving in a very direct and intentional way. And if you've been around Kingsway for a long time, or if you've been around Kingsway for the last few years, you'll know that uh, we don't pass the offering trays. We are not You know, people that are going to try to get you to give that quiet money, not the loud money, all right, or try to go after you. If you don't know what that means, you've never been at a church that's asked that before. Um, We're not a church that right now is suffering in any way, and we're not, I'm not talking about giving because our budget's not being met or the bills aren't being paid or that's why the lights are off right now. Um, You know, it's nothing like that. it is much more. We're going to be healthy. Uh, I want you to know that if you're going to talk about submitting to Christ, uh, giving is the gateway. Giving is the first step. So, um, that being said, today's journey is going to be from trying to get you to understand how we are naturally in America 1.0 givers, but we need to be 2.0 givers. Okay? We need to be 2.0 givers, not 1.0 givers. So you're going to ask the question, what does that come from? And I have to tell you that what I'm talking about today and the format that I'm talking about it, I, I heard this just taught in such a fantastic way back in November. So I'm taking some of this terminology and I'm, I'm using it because it is so powerfully clarifying for me and I hopefully for you. So what is a 1.0 giver? Giving 1.0 looks like this. It's giving directly to help immediately. And, and you, you and I are, let's just be real, we live in a culture where, man, uh, the koalas start dying, and the, we just start giving. I mean, let's just be real, right? Like, everybody just starts going, we got to save the wildlife, we got to save whatever, and we see the fire, and we go after it, and we want to put it out. That's, that's just naturally in us. It's an amazing thing that our culture, who we are as Americans, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian— That is just in us, naturally, that we want to go after stuff. And the reason that is, um, is because that has immediately given us some results. So the fire gets out, the the, the bears hopefully get better, and they they hopefully grow and get their habitat back. Things are changed, and you immediately feel difference. And you're like, yes, I feel good about giving. That was a problem. We've solved it. But I will just tell you this flat out. Um, Planned giving makes spontaneous giving possible planned giving makes spontaneous giving possible if you and I didn't have healthy <laughs> homes water <laughs> plumbing cars jobs and we were able to pay our bills and do the things that we needed to do in a, in a sustainable way we would not be able to be givers in a spontaneous way it's just not able it's not able to happen it's not possible And so for us, you need to recognize that there are two folds to that. That concept is this, that there is somebody that is paying the consistent things daily going on so that the spontaneous generosity can happen. And those two things are connected in 1.0 giving. Giving is met extensively outside of what we do. And I want to put this out there for you as a thought, and I've said it already, but full life in Christ is only found by being a christ follower. Sometimes we identify as Christians. There are 275 in America right now, give or take a few million probably. The problem with the word Christian, and I don't hate the word Christian, it came from little Christ in Acts, and that's what they called them, little Christ. They're little, little Jesuses running around, um, and they just kept doing like Jesus does, and that's not a bad thing, uh, but it's a title. And, and really what it's done in our culture is it's become a, a, a set of beliefs is what Christianity has become. So when you say, I'm a Christian, people don't hear action. They hear beliefs. They hear what you believe, not what you're going to do. And so why I think it's important to recognize that it's not Christian, it's Christ follower, which takes action to follow someone. You can't just believe in who they are You have to pursue, to follow, to go after, to take action, to be with them. And full life in Christ takes that. And so with that being said, I want to ask you this, and I want to point this out to you. What I do with my money is evidence to what is most important to me. And I, like I said, the reason I have a struggle Preaching this is not because I am looking down on you physically. It's because I read that and I go, gosh, I eat a lot of pizza. And if you take that and you turn it into what it should be for you is what you do with your money is evidence in what's most important to you. And here's the crazy thing. Money cuts to the truth faster than anything. In fact, don't follow your mouth, follow the money. No matter what I say with my mouth, my money tells the truth. You can say you think this is important, you can say you you love this, you value this, but I will tell you this right now, we took your bank account, (laughs) took your list of receipts, and we put it up next to what you say is valuable, we will know the truth. know the truth the Bible and Jesus said this in the simplest of ways and most of you know this verse but it is so incredibly powerfully true still thousands of years later with people that had almost nothing who were living meal to meal owned very little were owned by another country literally hostilely taken over by Rome had no vote had no future in the sense of anything they could control. And Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What you treasure is what your heart desires. Where your money goes is where your heart is. Where your money goes is where your heart is. Why this is scary And why this is something that I think is worth thinking about in a very real way is because there are just some statistics right now that blow my mind. Um, Out of the 275 million Christians, um, 5% tithe right now, they estimate. 5%. And that, to me, is like, holy smokes, okay, that's that's super crazy, right? And for some of you, you're like, all right, I know the debate. Let's not be real. I'm not not up here ignorantly saying, like, everybody needs to tithe. I get that. That's from Leviticus. It is old school law brought into the New Covenant. Some of you look at me and you go, we're not under that law anymore. We're under a New Covenant. I get that. I will just tell you, every commentator I read, every New Testament scholar that I read tells me this— If we're not under that covenant, we're under the new one, and the new one is way more generous than the old one. It's not less. And so if you're going to go that route, and you're going to pretend like the 10% is so much, just know the new one says all. All. So be careful. (laughs) Now here's what's crazy about that 275 million people at only five percent tithing. They estimate the article that I was reading. the estimate of 275 million just started tithing. You would get 180 to 160, 180 billion dollars of revenue that you could use. They say you could get rid of uh, world hunger with 25 million. You could get rid of clean water, or have everyone have clean water for about 10 billion. Uh, you have one billion dollars could prevent about half of the world's dying children with preventable things. Almost immediately. And you'd have roughly between like 110 to 115 billion left over for missions and moving the gospel forward. And when I read stuff like that, I get why people don't like Christians. But I don't want to just be a Christian, I want to be a Christ follower. So, how did we get here? How do we read that kind of stuff and go, how did we, how did we do such a poor job of understanding that, that money is a form of faith? That money is an opportunity daily for faith. Full life in Christ is only found by being a christ follower and I will just tell you this right now if you have never thought about your money as something you need to submit to Jesus you are not following Jesus yet completely. And I know for some of you you're like, "How?" I know. It's for me too. Now here's the reason and here's why we got there. You ready? This is what just tricked us into our culture into this this place that we have so much you guys. We have so much here. And I'm guilty of it too. We prefer we prefer intervention over prevention. We prefer intervention over prevention and, and prevention. And here's here's what I mean by this: If I go to the doctor and my back hurts, which may have may not have happened last October, all right, and I ask for a pill, or I ask for a shot, or I ask for a golden remedy because I'm in pain, and he tells me I should eat better and stretch. I say, no, I want a miracle. (laughs) I don't want prevention. Does that make sense? I don't look at the doctor and go, (laughs) yeah, 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 we're past that, right? I, I want, give me the pain pill. Don't tell me to stop eating pizza. I just told you I already like it. I can't stop. You know why we like it so much? Because we love to solve a problem over preventing a problem. Right? How many of you... Oh, husbands in here. How many of you in here? Look at, look at me. Look at me. You got... I mean, you got a couple? Got a couple? How many of you have gotten credit for putting tires on the car before they had a flat? And they just... You got the high five, and they were like, I'm so proud of you from your wife. And they just said, I'm... Uh. But how many of y'all got a great high five when they had a flat tire, and you came in like a whew, Superman snap that thing off in the morning, put a new one on, you came back in, she looked at you and she said, babe, you're amazing, right? Did you not look at her and go, listen, babe, I know that was great, but actually it showed me that I didn't take full responsibility of you and probably should have changed the tires before, but I don't want to admit that right now in front of you, <laughs> so I'm just going to take the credit, and then next week we're going to get a tire appointment and make sure all the tires are good, Right? <laughs> But no, because in the moment, you're a superhero. And the idea of solving a problem, that, man, that'll get you out of bed. Nobody wakes up early on a Saturday morning going, man, my tires are bald. I need to make sure. Not naturally. Some of y'all are. Not naturally. You wait till that thing is bald and almost flat, or you watch someone else get a flat, and then you're like, yeah, probably should solve that problem. It's just not naturally in us. And, And there's a reason for that. Look at this. Intervention is emotional and the results are immediate. Intervention is emotional, and the results are immediate. I mean, it just happens immediately, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I can get in there. I can change the world. I can make things right. I can solve this problem. And it's emotional, and everybody's like, yeah, we're going to do this together. And then the results, you change something. Something is fixed. Something works. But the problem is prevention is neither of those things. But it's superior. It's not emotional when you do it. Like, no one is going, amazing job. You changed the oil before the, the engine seized up. You know, like, no one's clapping you out of the super lube. Nobody's going, gosh, oh, look at that hero. And the results, you're like, maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. I know some in here, you're like, I will never change the oil. That is a, that is a total flab. That is not true. You don't need to change oil. Just add oil to it. The engine's made for that. All right? All right? Appreciate it. I know I was going to get at least one of y'all. And here's the thing I get that I get it I get why it's something that I I like cleaning something right? Not preventing messes If I had to walk around and, And follow my kids and prevent messes all day It's a full time job You just can't do it But here's the trick You guys systematic giving to a lovely a loving and healthy church is preventative consistent systematic giving to a loving and healthy church is preventative it's preventative we have made or reached the budget that we have proposed every year at this church that I've been here to without a, and it's been amazing, and I want to thank you right up front. We have people that give here and give faithfully. I have some data in front of me, no names, just data. It's 65 different individual donors this last year give four more times, out of 100. of people in here gave four more times. Now, here's here's what's tricky about that. We have some people in here that only get paid like once a season (laughs) because they do work that rolls with the seasons and with the ground and the rain and the sunshine. This isn't New York City or even Springfield where we live paycheck to paycheck. And you're making first payments with it. So it's tricky with our data. But what that does tell me is that 66 people this last year chose to, to, to engage in faith prevention giving here, which is awesome. That's way above average if you take that at a national level. But what scares me about that data is that some of you in here, you didn't need to give just four times. You need to give faithfully first. You need to give faithfully first. Prevention. Preventional giving. And I want to point out to you why the church is a place that's worth preventually giving first in faith. I'd love to tell you stories, and I could. I could tell you lots of stories how this church has intervened. I can tell you tons of stories on how this church has intervened in other people's lives. Uh, We have, you guys, we have a full children's ministry. We have amazing things that are going on Wednesday nights with our middle school and high school students. We have young adults that are in life stage, critical life stage decisions that are being made for their future. We have adults that are in marriages that have young people that are in the throes of whatever conflict or issues or struggles can come up. We have people that are later in life that have more resources and more opportunities to influence with their legacy than ever before. And I can tell you, I have seen story after story after story of disciples helping other disciples and people positioned well in volunteer positions and staff positions and with nobody that's just an acquaintance that they know step in and do amazing, amazing things in the midst of heartache, brokenness, sickness, debt, and trouble. And I've, I've heard those stories and they're amazing We have marriages that are still together in this room because of this church. We have kids that were now middle schoolers, that are now high schoolers, that are now full followers, married, that are in this church. We have people that have been serving God for decades faithfully and loving on the people around them in this church. And the stories that I can't tell you are the things that have been prevented that never happened, that never surfaced, that we never saw, that never even took root, issues that never popped up. I can't tell you those stories because it never happened. I can't tell you all the things that didn't happen because they were prevented. It was, it was done before. It was helped before the issue. The wisdom came before the fall. The relationship came before the decision. The health was found before the I do's. A healthy expectation was found of how to love, was there before the parents had the gift. And the marriage stayed healthy because humbleness and understanding. And the proper way to love was learned. You guys, this makes the church itself makes an unmeasurable difference in this category. It's immensely powerful. And I could stand up here and I could quote you Matthew and say the gates of hell will not overcome it, that the church is the bride of Christ, that is the most cherished thing that he died for, And I could tell you that it is powerful in its ability to bring light and salt into the world and that you and I are that, a valuable, life-changing, good-tasting, hope-bringing church. I could tell you that, and I can tell you it's important and it's amazing, but I'll tell you some of that you'll never see because it's prevention that it's in the midst of. It's not intervention. And for some of you, You've never followed Christ into what he's doing in this way. And I, I love you too much to tell you that it's not important. It's, it's, it's overwhelmingly important. In fact, I would tell you, if you've never stepped into this area, you are missing out. You're missing out. And remember, I'm not telling you from a place of need. I'm telling you from a need financially. I'm telling you from a place of desire of God's heart. So how do you know if you're a part of a church that's loving and healthy? I love the definition that was told to me. Uh, If they love God and they love others like God and they are teaching the next generation to do the same, give to that church. Support that church. They are doing the mission of God. They are absolutely on par with what God would want. Now, no church is perfect. No church is perfect. But if this church is a place that you've attended, you found yourself coming in, and you have seen what God has been up to, you've even experienced some intervention, but you're maybe not even, or you've been miscalculating the prevention, I would tell you, we are trying desperately To love God, to teach each other how to love each other like Him. And we are trying to invest in the next generation as much as possible. Full life. Prevention is better than intervention. So, 2.0 giving is give first in faith, give first in faith. It won't be emotional, other than maybe a little bit of sadness. Sometimes they can be real. It won't immediately show its results. It's not like you're going to get a printout of like some statistical analysis of where your money went and how it exactly. It won't happen. (laughs) It's neither of those things. It's faith. Like the wind moves, like God works, it is not always in the seen places that we will get to see the full results. but it's give first, save, and live. It's give first, save, then live. If you do this and you choose to take this challenge, this is what it needs to look like. When you receive a check, when you receive payment, you put aside a percentage, a decided amount, and you give it immediately. Don't think about what else it could go to. Don't think about how you could leverage it. Don't think about your retirement. Don't think about your security. Don't think about other things. You decide a percentage, a amount, and you give it first. That is where faith is born, in your finances. For the first time, you'll have experienced something that most of us in here haven't experienced since we were a small child. We will put ourselves in the hands of God, and we will say, I need and I will ask for your help. I believe and trust in your salvation and your work, and this is a small percentage, a small amount of my representation of full surrender." my faith when you do this consistently and then and then the housing market crashes and then one of them needs to go to college two of them needs to go to college car breaks we all pray when that happens regardless if we gave or not (laughs) just be real right But those of us that have given, those are the moments where we get to stand with confidence, stand with peace, stand in a different form, not saying we're outside of the grace of God or that his mercy is there but we can stand knowing that we have never believed that our circumstances have determined our faith. We have never believed that the end of the month is the best time to see God's faithfulness. We have believed the first of the month, before the problem ends, before the storm leaves, before everything is fixed, before he comes back, that the tomb is empty, that he is faithful, that he is real, and that he can be trusted way beyond any momentary financial struggle. And you've proven it consistently that his prevention and his work has done the work, made the difference in your life. And what would have been a stumbling block and a doubt and a hardship becomes an encouragement, a trusting moment, a faith-filled moment. You guys, are so many things I wanted to say this morning. I want you to know that you guys are amazing givers. I am so proud of you. Not only did we mute our budget this last year, but you guys gave on top $43,000 to outside things that we had going on. You're amazing givers. I do not, I'm not saying this from a place of guilt and shame. I'm saying this from a place of what if 10 more percent of us started this? What if like more just started doing this. What would God be doing? What would he be up to? How would he use us in an even more powerful way? I get excited thinking about that. Get excited thinking about how the opportunities that our church have to get ahead of some things. Not just react, but to get ahead of some things. Man, we're positioned well, guys. I can see it. And I think there's some things that we're still yet to do that we haven't started. And we need a full team in faith, giving first. We're not going to start passing the offering trays next week. All right, this isn't that set up. Right? And the next week you're going to come in and you're like, oh, well, that was an interesting Tangent. They're still going to be up here in the stations in the back. We're still going to have online at Kingsway Mo if you want to give. But I'll just say this, and the elders are so amazingly faith to tell you this. Find a church that is loving God well, love, teaching others to love the same way, and to pouring into the next generation. And if you have not attended here and felt like you can trust us, that we're a church that's doing that, find a church, a local church, that is doing that well and give there. Find a church that's doing that and give there then. I don't want you to miss out on this. I don't want you to hear it as some sort of crazy scheme to give you to get here. I just want you to experience that God is on the move and we're a part of it. Give, save, live. 2.0 givers. Not reacting, but moving as he moves. Preventing, unseen, unseen, powerfully, superiorly, superiorly, I hate to say that, in a better way, full life is found, a follower of Christ, and giving first, in faith.